Hey everyone, welcome to the Riverview Church Podcast. We hope that you're encouraged and inspired by today's message. We'd love for you to join us more frequently. So before we get started, why don't you take a moment to subscribe to our podcast? Here's today's message from Tanya Watson. As we gather into the Around the Word this evening, I felt impressed by the Lord this week to just pause for a moment and remind us or talk to us about what it is that happens when we come together as church. When we're framing our celebrations, we frame them around two things. We frame them around worship and word. And the effect of those two things is this, is that music and worship is a part of helping us to come into the presence of Jesus with intention. If we're cooperating with the Spirit of God, what happens with music and with words is that, in effect, we open up our hearts to the presence of God. Now, God is always present with us, but music and worship help us to open up and bring our full attention to Jesus. And then when we open up the Word, then we have this posture of vulnerability. And I'd like us to remember that tonight, that as we hear if we have been cooperating with the Spirit of God, if we've walked into the opportunity of worship, we're ready now to hear from God through the Word, which is powerful. And the New Testament reminds us that we have an obligation as God's people. I have an obligation as someone who's speaking the words. Peter talks about when, if anyone speaks, you must speak as one who's speaking the very words of God. So my responsibility is to pray well, to prepare well and to be mindful of the fact that I have this responsibility to speak the word of God faithfully. And your responsibility is to guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Be careful what goes into your heart, including in church. And that's why the New Testament encourages us to weigh and test and discern as we enter into the God's word. This is important because I think tonight is an, every night is an important message, but Ultimately, preaching is of no value unless it results in life change. And that's our heart here is we're not just here to speak and to be clever and, you know, and work hard, but it's about life change, isn't it? That, that every week we gather together, we see one another, we remember, oh, I'm not the only follower of Jesus in this world. I'm surrounded by people who are also following Jesus. And we're encouraging one another to be more and more like Jesus as the days go on. And so as we get into the Word, I want to pray a 15th century prayer that uh, I've just slightly tweaked for our purposes tonight. But let me pray this over us. It's like a blessing. But God, please be in my mouth and in my speaking. God, be in our ears and in our listening. God, be in our minds and our understanding. God, be in our hearts and in our strength for living. Amen. So tonight we're in week three of our series through January called Start Strong, and our theme is purpose. Now, there are many, many things said about purpose and written about purpose. It'd be interesting to count how many books there are that you can find on purpose. How many keynote speakers will tell you the three things that you need to know to find your life purpose. Um, And I'm not about to preach one of those kind of messages. I kind of want to rebel against that kind of, here's the three things to set your life on purpose. As I've thought about that, I've thought about all of this talk around purpose that's on in our world. It seems to me that most of these things are referenced around our sense of personal agency. 
Now, agency is a contemporary term that really just means our capacity or our resources. If you have agency, then you have capacity and you have resources to make choices. Now, in the Western world, we, most of us have huge amount of agency, don't we? We have resources, we have capacities, we have options, and we have the ability to choose. And so we talk about purpose in quite indiscriminate ways. Purpose can be, well, I got out of bed this morning, I accomplished a purpose. <laughs> or it can mean I had my purpose in life is to provide for my family. Or it can be, you know, my purpose is to change the world. Right? There's a lot of that that goes around. What this really means is that what we're telling to ourselves is this, is that if I have agency and I have the resources, I'm likely to have a high sense of purpose. I'll feel good about who I am because I have this freedom to make choices. But what happens when we lose our agency? What happens if we lose resources or we lose capacity? Well, what often happens is we lose our sense of purpose. And sometimes that can lead us into places where we even begin to have an identity crisis and we wonder, oh my goodness, if I can no longer do this, then who am I? And that can have devastating consequences. This came home to me um, a couple of years ago. I work with an aged care organisation. I'll give it a plug, it's called Bethany. I'm very proud of Bethany as an aged care provider. And um, we, every year, one of the things that we do with the chaplains of Bethany is we have a spirituality conference. And so I was asked to prepare a paper on spirituality and ageing. I forgot my funny line. The reason I'm really involved in, in aged care is because I'm nearly there and I have a vested interest. <laughs> I want it to be really, really good by the time I get there. <laughs> anyway, so spirituality and ageing. That was a funny line. Thanks for laughing. <laughs> just helps me to get a breath and go, okay, let's have a laugh. All right, so this is really serious, because it is serious. So I was doing this research on spirituality and ageing, and I was really shocked to discover a piece of research that suggested when Christian people go into aged care, they are just as anxious as people who don't know Jesus. Now, let me be really clear here. Those life transition moments are serious and they involve grief and, you know, there's, we'd, I don't want to shy away from that. But there was something within me that said, I don't think I like that. I don't think if the day I move into aged care somewhere or I lose my sense of agency that I want to be just as anxious as someone who doesn't know Jesus. Surely knowing Jesus has to make a difference in my life. And so I, I really thought seriously about this and I, I thought, so what if I had dementia or what if I find myself in a situation where I've suddenly lost my agency or capacity? I want to set my heart attitude now because life in Jesus should make a difference into the way that I move through all seasons of life. And for example, in aged care, I now think, I think we, we've got a job to do in the church to help one another, prepare one another for all the seasons in life. So for example, when I go into aged care, instead of feeling like my purpose is to care for others, perhaps my purpose becomes to receive the care of others, to dignify the care that others give. For those of you who work in aged care, may God bless you and thank you for caring for those who are vulnerable. Any of you who are caring for vulnerable people, thank you. You are bringing great care for those of us who are receiving care. I pray that we would be the people that would give dignity and honour to those who are serving us. I think these kinds of things make a difference. 
So let me get back to purpose because I think the good news from Jesus for us as we think about this topic of purpose is that our purpose in him is not limited to or determined by our capacity or agency. This means that whatever position or circumstance we find ourselves, our sense of purpose does not change and should not change in that bigger sense. So in talking about purpose, my reference really, I went back to the wisdom of the church because for 2,000 years, the church has been concerned around this question of purpose. Some of you will know um, what's called the catechism. Has anyone brought up learning the catechism? A few of you. The catechism was a way of teaching people how to be followers of Jesus. And the Westminster Catechism, for example, is a set of 107 questions that you can learn. And each question actually has an answer. So it's like a question and response. And the idea would be that if you learn all of these things, then you would, you would have a really firm foundation for who you are as a follower of Jesus. Now, the reason I'm telling you about this is because the number one question of the Westminster Catechism is this. What is the chief purpose for man. What is the chief purpose for which man is made? And the answer is this. The chief purpose for which man is made is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's our purpose. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. God has made us for a purpose, just as everything we make is for a purpose. And it's only as we fulfill the purpose for which God made us that we can be happy. God made us to glorify him. We can't add to God's glory because he is entirely perfect. But we can show his glory by the way that we live. See, every time in scripture when you see the word glory, glory means made visible. Glory means made visible. So we glorify God when we live in ways that reflect who God is. Jesus glorified God in the way that he lived. And when we become followers of Jesus and we place our life into the life of Jesus, he gives us everything that we need to reflect the Lord's glory. And so our job is to cooperate with Jesus and to live in ways that glorify God, to live a glorious life. So what I'm suggesting tonight is this, that our purpose is to live glorious, God-revealing lives. That's exciting news. (laughs) Hallelujah. Our purpose is to live glorious, God-revealing lives. When we live this way, we experience joy in union with Jesus, regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Now, this is not a concept or a clever idea from Scripture that we're just going to talk about tonight. This is, this is actually something that each of us can do. Jesus doesn't tell us these things in Scripture just as a nice idea that we can never achieve. He has given us everything we need to live glorious, God-revealing lives, no matter what is going on in our lives. But let me try and ground this for us. So I'm going to share with you a revelation, a life-changing moment for me that happened, well, it started about four years ago, and it was one of those things that changed the course of my life. And it comes from the story of Mary and Martha, which we find in the book of Luke. So we're going to read this story. I call this story one of the most irritating stories in all of scripture. Those of you who've been in church for a long time, you'll already know this is a story of two women. So let's read it together. It goes like this. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. 
Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about and Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. I'd like to show you a painting. This is, by, uh, this is painted in the 18th century by a Russian painter whose, whose name I cannot pronounce. If you really want the details, you can come and see me later. The reason, there we go. The reason I wanna show you this picture is um, art has this ability to bypass our mind and to speak to our heart. I think that in this, contained in this painting is so much of what I would like to communicate. And so I'm giving you a couple of options here. If you get sick of listening to me talk, you can just look at this beautiful painting. <laughs> can I encourage you to think about paintings and art and music as you're reading the scriptures? It's a great way of, um, of actually engaging with the scriptures differently as we can in this painting. But let me, let me share with you this revelation for my life. You see, this is an irritating story for many of us who are practically task-oriented women. <laughs> because often this story of Mary and Martha is preached as if, as if it's a story about behaviour. Martha is busy getting dinner ready and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus appears to be comparing Martha and Mary and he's giving Martha some helpful feedback about her performance. <laughs> It's like she's not quite the holy one in this picture. You know, you're good, Martha, but you're not quite as good as Mary. Now, it just doesn't make sense to me as a woman, I have to say. This story has never quite made sense to me. Um, it's like, a, I call this the Facebook moment in Martha's life, right? It's just one regular day. She's got Jesus coming over for lunch. She's getting lunch ready. Someone takes a photo, posts it on Facebook, and she's forever branded as that woman who wasn't quite holy enough, right? We know from the scriptures that Mary and Martha were deeply loved by Jesus. They were both loved by Jesus, as was their brother Lazarus. Outside of the disciples, these were his closest friends. And so this can't just be a story about comparison. So what's really going on? If we go back to that previous chapter in Luke, because these books were written as a sequence, there's a pattern. And sometimes it's good to go back and see what came before this particular story. When you go back into Luke chapter 9, there's a really important question. Jesus is with his disciples and he looks around and he says to them, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That was Peter's revelation moment. Ah, you are the son of God. So maybe this story is not just about two women, but maybe this story is about Jesus. Jesus was sent to show us who God is and what it looks like to live the way that God intended, how to live a glorious God-revealing life. So let me tell you about my story, how it intersects with this one. It was about two o'clock in the morning. Do you have these moments? You can already hear how the story's gonna go, right? I was worried and anxious about many things and I woke up feel, um, thinking about this story of Mary and Martha. So after giving God the complaint like, why this irritating story, don't like this story, I suddenly thought, well, perhaps God might want to speak to me. So I asked him the question, what does this story mean? Help me to make sense of this story because I just can't make sense of it. 
And then I remembered a question that um, when I was learning, I was in a preaching class once, the person speaking said to us, when you come across a story that you don't quite understand, have a think about what might be going on in the human heart. It's a good question. So I thought, okay, well, what was going on in the heart of Mary? And the scripture tells us what's going on in the heart of of Martha, sorry. What's going on in the heart of Mary? She was worried and anxious about many things. So far, so good. So then I went, okay, well, what was going on in the heart of Mary? Well, the scripture doesn't tell us what was going on in the heart of Mary. So I thought, well, let me picture where she would have been. And we know that Mary was seated at the feet of Jesus. So she was seated at the feet of Jesus. Her face would have been fully looking at Jesus. And I thought, I wonder what it feels like to actually look in the face of Jesus. And I wonder what she would have experienced in that moment. And I think what she would have experienced is the perfect peace of Jesus. The peace of Jesus strengthens our hearts against anxiety and difficulties and sorrows. It's possible to have a peace so deep that we can be content in any circumstance, even in times of great difficulty. The peace of Jesus is so closely related to joy that we might say that joy is God's peace lived out. The Jesus of peace changes us, growing us into Christ-like character and maturity. See, this is the aha moment that changed my life forever because I was worried and anxious. I was worried and anxious about my son, my beautiful son who had walked away from his faith. I had been a children's pastor for many years and I, had pr- I, I was proud of the fact that I had done lots of work on on trying to figure out how we share faith with children. And I thought I'd nailed it. And yet my own son walked away from faith. And I was worried and anxious about that. And as I was thinking about this story and bringing my anxiety to Jesus and thinking, I'm so challenged by this, how do I find peace in this anxiety? And I realised that Jesus is never anxious about anything. So why am I anxious? There's a difference between anxiety and concern. We can be concerned. Love and peace can hold concern. Concern is an expression of love held well in the presence of peace. Anxiety displaces peace and it displaces love. Anxiety does not serve us well. And I was thinking about my son and going, Jesus loves my son much more than I do, so why am I worried and anxious? Do I actually believe what what the word says and that Jesus has already done everything that is needed for his salvation? And I do, so why am I worried and anxious? And as I thought about that, the peace of God began to transform my life. Despite the circumstances, I can live in peace. This is a really important message for another reason, not just because it changed my life, but if you hang around me long enough, you will get to know that I really care about the church in this country. I care about the gospel of Jesus in this country. I care about the fact that churches in this country are not full to overflowing of people who know Jesus. I care about the fact that it's really, really hard to share our faith with family and friends, isn't it? It's really hard. 
And so for many, many years, I've been asking God the question, what does the good news sound like for Australian people? Because whatever we're doing, it doesn't seem to be breaking through into the hearts and minds of our friends and neighbours. Why is that? And I believe that one of the keys may be understanding the peace of Christ, firstly for ourselves, but then as something that we have to share, to live out in our lives, that this could be part of our purpose. Jesus said in John 14, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It's really important here because my observation of living in Australia is that we live in a land that offers us so much peace, doesn't it? We live in an amazing, peaceful place. But when you really look at what our our country offers us, it doesn't really stack up with the peace of Jesus. You see, we experience peace because we experience prosperity. We experience peace because it's easy to gather friends and family around us. We can experience peace because we have so much that can um, just entertain us. But I'm convinced that underneath all of that, people around us are living in anxiety because there's an energy that's under all of that. You see, I've got to work hard to keep what I have because I might lose it and it might get taken away from me and there's a fear that then I won't enjoy peace. I find myself in a place of crisis. I think this is why we're seeing so much mental illness and other things because there's an underlying anxiety that our friends and neighbours and perhaps even we are living with. You see, peace brings... These things only bring temporary relief from worried and anxious hearts. It's only the peace of Jesus that can give us the true peace. And I think it's only the peace of Jesus that will make us look different to the rest of the world. See, I realised about my son is I thought when he comes over for dinner, and I love to see him, all I was projecting to him was my anxiety. Now, was that attracting him to Jesus or was it pushing him away? Because I think at that point, I just look like every other worried mother in this country. Right? But I thought, what if he encounters when he comes home for dinner, just a peaceful, loving mother? Because he knows I care about him. He knows I care about his faith. I'm a pastor, for goodness sake. You know, he can't escape the fact that I would be caring about his faith. But I think it's the peace of Jesus that will reach him more than my anxiety. It's interesting to me, as I've thought more about this, how Jesus was announced to the world. The angels sang glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Psychologists tell us that in order to understand that you are loved, we must first of all feel safe. So I think Jesus was announced as the Prince of Peace. See, peace, when we feel safe, we lower our walls and we're able to understand that we are deeply loved. Perhaps our friends and neighbours, first of all, need to encounter the peace of Jesus through our lives. So then we can communicate this message that Jesus loves them. Because we are safe to be with, that we bring this sense of peace. I've been saying today um, in our different celebrations that I've even tried some wacky experiments with this peace of Jesus thing. (laughs) Sometimes I'll go into the shops and I'll, I'll just, I'll actually remind myself to walk through the shopping centre with a piece of Jesus and see what happens. Because when you read scripture, doesn't it strike you that every person just wanted to be with Jesus? So if Jesus is with me, I expect that people want to be with me. 
whether I'm introverted or not. There was one day I walked into the shops and I was thinking about the peace of Jesus and this random woman just stood next to me in the queue and she just looked at me and she said, I've got cancer, will you pray for me? Now that's not going to happen every day, but I really do think that this peace of Jesus changes everything. And that living in the peace of Jesus is a way of of living out this glorious God-revealing life. Does that sound like good news for you today? We're going to close in a moment, but let me just tell you that tonight's message comes with bonus content. (laughs) Last week, Ryan spoke a great message around um, generations and passing the baton, and Aaron did it, Joondal up as well. And this week, we've been thinking around purpose, and it's caused us to be thinking around celebrating memories of who you are as God's people. And... um, and who exempl- and people that exemplify the kinds of things that we're talking about here. And so last Monday, we interviewed David and Margaret Reed, who are an older couple. David's 86, I think Margaret's 85. They have served the Lord their whole lives. They're just ordinary people, but they have an extraordinary legacy. They have simply opened their home for decades and welcomed young people. There are hundreds of people in Perth who are strong followers of Jesus because of the hospitality and the welcome of David and Margaret. And this morning we were able to thank them in church, but you'll be able to see a part of their interview um, and it'll be put out on the platforms tomorrow. And I encourage you to have a look at it. They're just ordinary people. You'll probably, I'm, I'm gonna encourage you not just to watch the interview, but to listen for what we call the song beneath the words. See the heart of these people who follow Jesus with simple consistency and persistency and they've never given up sharing their lives. At the end of the interview, I asked David to pray. Again, it's an ordinary prayer. But to hear an 86-year-old man who's, who's been diagnosed with motor neuron, who's here at church every week, who comes to every prayer meeting, to hear him pray, that is a remarkable gift to us. So I encourage you to have a look at that as someone who exemplifies purpose and I think the peace of Jesus. Can I ask you to stand as the worship team come and Help us to finish tonight. I believe in the ministry of impartation. Impartation is simply what God gives to us, we can give to others. If there is anything that the Lord has given to me that I can pass on to you in terms of this message of peace, then I want to be able to do that tonight. And if you'd like to receive a fresh understanding or a fresh revelation of the peace of Jesus, just encourage you to hold your hands out. Jesus, we thank you so much for the life that we live Thank you that we don't have to wait to get to heaven to experience your fullness. Your salvation is here for us right now. And your salvation means your peace. Lord, where we are experienced tired and worried or anxious hearts, thank you that you are safe in us for for us to come before you and and to open up our hearts and to show you where that tiredness and that anxiety and that worry is. And Jesus, right now we bring that before you and we ask that your perfect peace would come. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would help us to believe that we can live glorious, God-revealing lives. Father, I pray for the young people of our church. That we would have young people in our church who live glorious, God-revealing lives. I pray that you would strengthen them with your peace. 
that they would not chase after prosperity and popularity and all these other things, these pleasures in the world, but they would chase only after you. For those of us, Lord, who've been around for longer, may we also not chase after the things of this world, but we would chase after your peace. And thank you, Lord, that we don't have to run very far at all because your peace is always perfectly present with us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are always perfectly present with us. Help us simply to rest and remain in your presence, regardless of the circumstances we find ourselves in. Thank you that you will always meet our hardships, our difficulties, the things that trouble us. You will always meet us at those points with your perfect peace. And we welcome your perfect peace, Lord Jesus. Father, would you give us miracle moments this week where we walk in your peace and we have the amazing opportunity to see how your peace changes not only our lives, but the lives of those around us. And may we have the opportunity to share your love and your salvation with those we care about. We pray this is your people in Jesus' name. Amen.